Coming up on this week's episode, Annabeth Albert returns to the show, and she's going to talk to us about some of her adventures in the Arctic. This is the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for avid readers and passionate fans of gay romance fiction. Each week, we bring you exclusive author interviews, book recommendations, and explore the latest in gay pop culture. Welcome to episode 195 of the Big Gay Fiction Podcast. I'm Jeff from jeffadamswrites.com, and with me as always is my husband and co-host, Mr. Will Knaus. Hello, everybody. This episode of the podcast is brought to you in part by our remarkable community on Patreon. A big thanks to Gwen and Ida for joining us. We'll have more information on how you can join them at the end of the show, along with a sneak peek of what we have coming up for you next week. Welcome back, everyone. Another week, another show. Um, we had a wonderful June Pride Month. We hope you did as well. Um, it's <laughs> This episode is going live on the 1st of July, which means that we are halfway through 2019. It's true. Say what? We have I survived six oh, months. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. Um, we've got uh, several months of travel actually stretching out uh, ahead of us. Um, yes, we we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that in future episodes. Um, how was your week? It was good. It was birthday week, which was fun. We did some some nice stuff. You made me breakfast pancakes that morning. And I, I did. We kept that. things pretty low key around here. We did. Um, <laughs> I spent a lot of the week editing. Uh, I was editing uh, the hat trick revisions, which are actually due at the end of this coming week. And there was a lot of podcast recording going on. We we had a lot of interviews this week for mm-hmm. future episodes, so that was a lot of fun to do as well. A lot of stuff to look forward to. Uh, we also went to a local production of Oklahoma. Which was, I had a whole bunch of fun at this show yesterday. Mm -hmm. Um, We went primarily because it is at a theater in Sacramento that does all of its performances in the round. And I think we wanted to see how that worked out. And it was also, I was hesitant on Oklahoma. The Broadway revival back somewhere in the early 2000s really kind of bored me. And, And this reminded me what a fun show Oklahoma can actually be when done well. Mm-hmm. Um, what were your thoughts? I enjoyed it as well. Um, it was wonderfully staged. Uh, the cast was wonderful. Uh, a good time was probably had by all, I would assume. I think so. <laughs> uh, I really enjoyed, I have to say, Ryan Vesquez, who played Curly. Uh, Ryan is on break from Hamilton in New York. And we were talking before the show about his bio because he is the only person to ever be the understudy for all five principal roles in that show. So on any given night, he could be on for Hamilton, Burr, Washington, Madison, or Jefferson. That's a lot of words, people. It's a rap show. Goodness. So good on you, Ryan, and thanks for a good performance yesterday. Now, June wrapped up Pride Month. Uh, We mentioned earlier in the month that the podcast had been called out and curated as part of Apple podcast pride uh, celebration area. Uh, Welcome to everybody who has come to the show uh, in this past month. We've seen tremendous growth in our download numbers. Uh, We're set up to be, this is set up to be the highest, the second highest month of the podcast ever. Uh, If you've joined us, we hope we get to add a lot of books to your TBR in the coming weeks and months. And if you're a long time listener, we very much appreciate you also. We are one month away from hitting our 200th episode. Oh my God. 
Uh, and that is because everybody shows up every week to listen to us ramble on about books and listen to the tremendous authors that we have on the show. So we appreciate all of you. And if you are new, definitely say hi to us on Facebook or leave us a review somewhere and let us know what you think of the show. We appreciate you being here. In the Hockey Player's Heart, the feel-good gay romance by Jeff Adams and Will Knaus, hockey star Caleb Carter returns to his hometown to recover from an injury. He never expects to run into his one-time crush at a grade school fundraiser. Seeing Aaron Price hits him hard, like being checked into the boards. The attraction is still there, even after all these years, and Caleb decides to make a play for the school teacher. You miss 100% of the shots you never take, right? Aaron has been burned by love before and can't imagine what a celebrity like Caleb could possibly see in a guy like him. Their differences are just too great. But as Aaron spends more time with Caleb, he begins to wonder if he might have what it takes to win the hockey player's heart. Get the hockey player's heart in ebook, paperback, or as an audiobook performed by me, Finn Sterling, wherever you buy books. So we do have a couple books to talk to you about today, and I'm going to kick us off with a young adult book that I have just read, Something Like Gravity by Amber Smith. Now, this was the summer book that I didn't know that I was necessarily looking for. Not only is it set in the summer, but in the best way possible, it moves like a lazy summer filled with all the best things. Now, I say lazy summer, that may make you think, well, that sounds kind of boring in a way. But it really is not. It's like that summer you spend on the porch hanging out with your best friend, doing all the fun summer stuff. And it's really hard to explain that aspect of it. But one of the things that I really loved about this book was that with all of some of the in, in, insane stuff that has to go on in this book, that vibe of the summer vacation laziness just kind of permeated it. Now, something like gravity opens as summer break from school begins. Chris has just arrived at his Aunt Isabel's house where he's going to stay as he tries to reset after being assaulted the year before as he came out as transgender. Meanwhile, Maya, who lives across the field, is still reeling from the death of her older sister. Over the course of the summer, Chris and Maya find comfort and love with each other, reveal their secrets, and are able to heal, although it's, it's a far from easy journey. Now, the meet-cute for Chris and Maya is nearly fatal and kind of comical in its own way, but it really sets the tone for how their early relationship works, which is rather adversarial. Chris, you see, has gone out for a drive with the car that he gets to use for the summer, and he practically runs over Maya, who, for whatever reason, decided to stop on her bicycle in the middle of the road. Now, while the two hardly speak in the aftermath of this incident, there's this little gravity that starts to pull them together. And this is, this is one of those books where the title just fits it oh so well, as the two can't stay away from each other once they've met. Now, in the hands of a lesser writer, building a story of first love set amongst the loss and trauma would likely be a disaster. Amber, however, crafts the story that I really had a hard time putting down because I wanted to see how things would go, both the cringy, difficult moments that these two had, as well as some of the super sweet ones. I really enjoyed Maya and Chris's journeys in this book. For Maya, the loss of her sister looms large over her family, with none of them, her parents and even the family dog, really even have it figured out the way forward from it. Maya tries to learn more about her sister by looking through all of the photographs that her sister took and the places that she visited to get them. 
Carrying her sister's camera nearly constantly has many in her small town thinking that she's trying to become her sister. And unfortunately, she even lets Chris believe for a little too long that she's a photographer because she's been walking around with this camera snapping stuff like she's taking pictures, but there's really no film in the camera at all. Now, Chris's family is also under stress because his coming out did not go well. Not only was there the assault, but his mom hasn't adjusted well and his dad seems to be trying to overcompensate for everything. He's come to Aunt Isabel's to figure out what he wants to do for the next school year, as well as to kind of give his, his parents some time to figure out uh, how, to how to deal with everything. For him, he's also trying to get back into running and recover from the assault. Uh, and he has to decide as well what he wants to share with Maya and when for, his, for another moment in his coming out. Now, there's a lot of internal dialogue in this book, and it works so well. There's so much that these two have to work out, and some of the most powerful parts of the book are what they reveal about themselves to themselves. Now, that lazy summer vibe plays very much into the romance between Chris and Maya. Amber writes they're falling for each other with, in such a wonderful way. There's a just the perfect buildup as they learn more about each other. But at the same time, it's complicated by some super big secrets that they both carry. Their equal moments of meltdown and tremendous emotional strength really provide some of the best moments in this book. The way that Amber resolves all these plots, Chris and Maya's relationship, as well as what goes on between them and their parents is so well done. I love the meaningful talk that the teens had with their parents over the span of a few days that fall at the end of the book. There was so much to handle, and like the rest of the story, the pacing was just perfect. Chris and Maya end up in such a good place for the next year of school, and I really hope there's some kind of sequel here because I really want to see how their story continues. Now, I'm happy to say that Amber is going to join us in August, so we'll get to talk about this book a whole bunch more. But in the meantime, I highly recommend this, Something Like Gravity by Amber Smith. Cool. Fantastic. Yeah. Now, you got to read the book from our guest, who we'll be hearing from shortly, Arctic Wild by Annabeth Albert. Mm -hmm. This is the second book in her Arctic Heat series, uh, and the standard caveat applies with series books, um, although there are uh, one or two secondary characters from the first book who make an appearance in this story. This book perfectly stands on its own. So... Arctic Heat is about a buttoned-up East Coast lawyer named Reuben, and he is more or less forced to take a vacation by himself in the wilds of Alaska. Needless to say, this doesn't, you know, thrill him uh, until he meets Toby, the handsome bush pilot who's going to be his tour guide. Toby has dealt with, you know, tough customers like plenty times in the past and soon enough they're enjoying each other's company while exploring alaska until that is an unexpected storm sends their plane crashing into the remote wilderness um, after they're rescued toby needs to heal from his injury and reuben comes up with a plan that he'll stay in alaska for the summer uh, and rent a house for himself and his teenage daughter and have toby stay with them uh, Reuben can take care of Toby, while Toby can come up with activities that Reuben can use to reconnect with his daughter, Amelia. Now, Amelia 
um, it should be noted, is no cutesy romance novel kid. She is a very realistically surly uh, teenager. Uh, she's constantly annoyed by her dad, but gradually she begins to kind of warm up to the situation and enjoy her vacation, uh, just as her dad is enjoying spending all the time with Toby. Love is definitely in the air for our two heroes, um, but both are unwilling to admit that it's more than just a fling, primarily because they're both stubborn in their own ways, um, as well as there's a, oh gosh, there's like an unending number of outside obstacles that um, are keeping them apart. Both of them have complicated family and work situations that they're, you know, trying to deal with. After weeks of, uh, shall we say, nighttime cuddles and, and furtive <laughs> blowjobs, Toby's injuries are finally healed enough that he and Reuben can sleep together. And it's wonderful and it's magical. Uh, but then, as in all romance novels, the black moment arrives. And I have to admit that I did that thing where I had to set the book down for <laughs> 24 hours. I'm so, oh, God, I'm such a dork. It's like, oh, my God, they're so happy. I can't deal with it. They're going to be, I know what's coming next. It's going to be horrible. So I did, in fact, wait 24 hours. Uh, before I continued with the rest of the book. Um, a serious issue with Toby's dad forces him to take a look at his obligations. He genuinely wants happiness with Reuben and Amelia, but that doesn't seem possible. Um, and uh, that sort of pushes our, our two heroes apart, and it kind of forces them to take a look at their priorities and what they genuinely want and need out of life. Toby can't let a misguided sense of pride keep him from accepting help when it's needed. And Reuben, uh, by the same token, can't solve everyone's problems with his like money and influence. So once they kind of figure out where the puzzle pieces of their lives fit together, um, they get their happily ever after. So as you're about to hear in uh, our chat with Annabeth in a few minutes, there is an extended cast of characters, primarily Toby's family and um, the sort of home life that Reuben has to deal with uh, concerning uh, custody of Amelia and all sorts of drama going on around that. Mm -hmm. um, and it really gives a genuine... There's like a, a realistic texture. They have they have they have actual genuine lives outside of their experience in Alaska, and I think that's what makes this book so uh, memorable and enjoyable. Um, it's about genuine connection and um, making making things work mm -hmm. in a realistic way. Uh, something that I think Annabeth. Uh, really excels at is making give, making her characters real and uh, the way she breathes life into these kind of standard romantic tropes and situations. So I really enjoyed Arctic Heat by Annabeth Albert. Fantastic. So remember, if you want details on the books or anything else we mentioned in this episode, simply go to the show notes page on biggayfictionpodcast.com for episode 195. Did you know that podcasts love to get reviews too? Taking a moment to leave a review about the Big Gay Fiction Podcast helps us with the show's visibility online. Please take a moment to visit iTunes and leave a review. Your comments help other readers of gay romance discover this show. Thanks for helping us spread the word about the Big Gay Fiction Podcast.
So this past week, we both got to sit down with Annabeth Albert and talk about her Frozen Hearts series. Uh, she gives us a sneak peek, which you're not going to want to miss, in book three, which comes out in September. And we also talk about the Rainbow Cove series, the military series, and a whole bunch of other good stuff. So here we go. We are excited to welcome back to the show Annabeth Albert. She was last here way back in December 2017 in episode 115, talking about Wheels Up. You have written so much since then. It's so great to have you back to catch up. Hi, happy to see you. Now, the most recent thing you've got out is the Frozen Heart series. Tell us a little bit about this series and, and what its inspiration was. So I loved, I started reading in the late 80s, early 90s um, romance, and I loved the Alaska set, Debbie McCumbers and Nora Roberts. And so my inspiration for this series would be what if we went back to that sort of setting, but made it LGBTQ and fun and that big sweeping feeling, though, of big scenery, big emotions, mountain men. I wanted to capture all that feeling of Alaska and also all the Alaska shows that I like watching, what man versus nature, all those sort of shows. And so I thought, you know, let's bring that sort of big scenery to life in a series that also has LGBTQ characters. And so it was really fun for me to get to bring that to life. And I, it's a three book trilogy and each book stands alone really well because we kind of did it so that there's very little overlap in the storylines for this particular one. With Out of Uniform, they were a little more closely linked. You saw more secondary characters popping back up and forth. And here they stand alone a little bit more. What, I mean, aside from the inspiration itself, I mean, did you have any experience with Alaska? <laughs> have you ever been there? <laughs> That's always the funny part. No, I haven't actually been there. I feel almost guilty admitting that right now. But I have done a ton of research. Mm -hmm. And I also had Alaska beta readers for each of the books. Oh, cool. I had people who actually live in the area in Alaska, who are able to give me feedback and oh, this is wrong, the cost goes over here, this is, but I did a ton of reading books set in Alaska and documentaries and message boards. And then, like I said, using the beta and the sensitivity readers to from Alaska. And so tried to get that feedback. It's so good to have readers in your readership who can be those beta people when you need them. Yeah. Yeah, well, and I think that it's really important in book two, I have a hero who's native Alaskan. And so it was really important to me to get a couple of beta readers and sensitivity readers who themselves identified as native Alaskans so I could have that perspective come in. And so that's really important to me to find, sometimes it takes a while to find the right beta reader for that particular project. Like with book one, we had some alcoholism and some eating disorders being dealt with in that book. And so what I was able to do is get beta readers for that issue. Like I had an eating disorder beta reader. I had an alcoholism beta reader. I had some sensitivity readers kind of about trauma and stuff like that. So I try to really bring in a lot of perspectives so that um, it's both authentic and it feels true to the character, but also is sensitively done. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I totally I, I agree with you about the the um, in, 
sensitivity. I mean, because you're dealing with some pretty, you know, heavy, serious subjects, but they're handled in a intelligent and thoughtful way that doesn't make it like preachy or a downer. Um, so I really enjoyed that in the first book. Um, and I wanted to go back to the second book, um, Arctic Wild, which I really, really loved. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about the um, the ideas and inspiration behind that particular book? It's especially the themes, kind of like, you know, there's like hurt comfort going on. There's kind of May-December going on with that particular book. What was the uh, inspiration behind book two? So each of the books, I wanted a different fish out of water. Mm -hmm. So different yeah. characters kind of coming. And so I wanted to do a character who was a little bit older, more settled in his life, and confident in who he is. And so I knew he was going to be older. I knew he was going to be a lawyer. I knew he was going to be fairly well off. And I wanted to do a silver fox sort of character, but I call him my silver bear because he's also a little bit of a larger guy. <laughs> and so I wanted something a little outside the norm for him, kind of. And and then I was like, well, so who's he going to get paired with? Well, obviously, he's got to get paired with someone who's fun and younger and kind of his opposite in a lot of ways. But I knew that I wanted the hook that kind of bonds them together to be this plane crash. Because I knew all along the book two was gonna have a plane crash because every book kind of has its own thing. And I knew the book two's thing was going to be bush pilot, an emergency situation, we've got a crash landing, how are these guys gonna deal with it? And who is the most unsuitable guy I can put with the bush pilot in the wilderness having to deal with this emergency? And so I did that. And so that was kind of the, the thing that kind of spurred the book forward from that point. But as I started plotting, I realized that the bulk of the book was going to come after the plane crash. Because at first I was like, maybe I'll do a really tight timeline. I'll get the whole book into a week. And that just wasn't working for these heroes. They really resisted a tight timeline. So I ended up expanding it. And I was like, okay, they're going to have to deal with this aftermath together. And so because they have to deal with it together, they kind of bond in a deeper sort of way, spending the summer together as opposed to just 24 hours in the wilderness. And so to me, that was a real joy to watch them evolve and change. And it's my longest book to date. You can see how thick it is. <laughs> it's really, it's, it's, it's a monster. But part of why it's so big is kind of the scope of it. I was able to bring in the secondary characters, the one Reuben's daughter and then Toby's sister and father. I have a lot of secondary characters happening in this one. And it was just really fun for me to take that initial idea. There's going to be a plane crash with these opposite attract guys and they're going to have to deal with it to this more sweeping sort of story where it does become, like you said, a hurt comfort story. How do we cope with the aftermath and the changes that it brought within each of us? And so I think that's kind of what I think the book ends up doing. You mentioned uh, the native Alaskan aspect in book two. And before we hit record, you mentioned that book two is also the most research heavy of these. What was some of what went in here and what kind of research did you do to get it all to work out right? Because I imagine bush pilot, plane crashes, there's research to do there too. 
Yeah, each element, like each sort of, and a lot of times what I do is I work in Scrivener, and in Scrivener I'll have notes for each chapter, and in a short story, like I might have like a line or two of notes per scene. In something like this, I'll have a long list, and it'll have the research questions for each chapter that's going to come up. Like, okay, I need to know how a pilot would handle this sort of altitude disturbance in his thing, and what would that actually mean? What do the instruments look like? What sort of plane is he flying in? What's the weather like? I have to do a lot of research into that. And for that, I look at message boards. I look at small plane businesses. I look at um, write-ups of past disasters, news reporting. I look at a lot of stuff to kind of get that one detail. Like I won't just, you know, get one thing. I'll look at a couple of different things to kind of get a couple of perspectives. And the same thing with the native Alaskan details. Obviously it's not my own lived experience and I'm really aware of that. So I had the two beta readers who were themselves identifying as native Alaskan. I did a lot of research with blogs blogs written by people who identify as Native Alaskans, autobiographies. Um, I did a couple of phone interviews. I really tried to get a variety of experiences so that I could bring Toby to life in a way that was both sensitive and well-rounded and that reflected a variety of sort of different opinions and different ways um, that sort of their lives end up unfolding. And so I really, I'm very proud of the amount of research that went into both Toby and the book as a whole. Cause like you said, the bush pilot, the plane crash, even I had a floor plan at one point of their rental house. I had a floor plan drawn on my office wall of exactly what this rental house would look like, where it's located, what the driveway, all this stuff. Like I, I really go into the minutia. I like that attention to detail because, as you said, it just brings everything more to life mm-hmm. as it goes. Yeah. Now, you did mention it was a trilogy. and September, it wraps up with Arctic Heat. What's coming in that book, and can you give us a little sneak peek? So I am so excited for this one. I love the whole trilogy. Each book was its own sort of joy to write. But Arctic Heat is the one that I was probably most excited about. It's a close proximity. We have a ranger who's handed this volunteer who's going to be snowed in with for the season. And this does happen, actually. In Alaska, there are volunteer positions where you can basically go and stay in the state park over winter. And so um, you're able to basically experience an Alaskan winter with a ranger. And it's kind of cool. So I was like, yeah, when I heard about this, I was like, oh yeah, this is going to be a romance. And so <laughs> the um, the one hero who comes from California, he's kind of a free spirit and he has no idea what he's in for, even though he's been around snow a little bit, but he has no idea what he's in for. And then we have the older cranky ranger who also is like, he's lost his longtime partner. She's gone on to be back in the city and he's really kind of cranky about this and he's been handed this guy and so they're going to spend the winter snowed in together and along the way they're going to catch some feelings and it's going to be really fun and so they meet each other at training and they're really not sure about each other but so we have Quill who's the ranger and Owen who's the younger guy from California 
And Owen has a feeling about Quill kind of from the beginning, and he's got his number. And so they end up going out to dinner. And at this point, Quill doesn't know yet that they're going to be snowed in together all winter. So Quill's kind of in the dark about that. But Owen is sure about kind of um, he likes Quill, and he likes Quill a lot. And so I was going to give you guys, now if you read Arctic Wild, in the back of Arctic Wild, there's the first scene for this one, for Arctic Heat. So I didn't want to read to you from that scene, because if you read Arctic Wild, you've seen it. So I'm going to give you a little snippet of their first kiss, and it just kind of shows their dynamic, I think. It's just a couple of paragraphs, and I'm just going to read it to you, and I'm not as good as my narrators. I have awesome narrators, but we're just going to see. So they're leaving a restaurant here. They each paid their share and then headed outside. The light had started to fade, the midnight sun of the summer long past, the crisp bite to the air making Owen wish he'd grabbed more than his hoodie. Cold, Quill asked as Owen rubbed his arm. A little, yeah. Warm me up, please. I know a shortcut through the alleyways back to the hotel. Lead on, Owen followed him as he ducked down the narrow alley, both of them walking too fast for much conversation. Whoa! Quill's arm shot out, holding Owen back as an SUV unexpectedly backed into the alley. Yanking Owen into a dark doorway with him, Quill frowned at the vehicle, which took its sweet time vacating the alley. Long enough for Owen to sense Quill's warmth and nearness, more of that classic intoxicating scent, the harshness of their breathing that much sexier in the close quarters. The charged air around them was made worse with every brush of their arms. You sure there's nothing on your bucket list? As the SUV finally moved on, Owen turned to block Quill from an easy exit. Nothing I could help with? Not sure. Quill hissed out a breath, which was decidedly not a resounding no, so Owen moved closer. I'm very open-minded and discreet. You could tell me. You're something else, Quill whispered, but his tone was more awestruck than censuring. So I've been told. Taking a chance, Owen put a hand on his shoulder and was relieved when Quill didn't immediately flinch away or tell him off. Come on, take a chance. Nothing you're curious about? Like what? Owen's voice was a harsh whisper. Mm. Owen pretended to think as he leaned in close enough to brush his lips against Quill's neck. Quill was taller, but not by so much that Owen had to overly stretch. His skin tasted good, warm, ever so slightly salty. This, maybe? He moved to flip Quill's earlobe with his tongue. Or this? So many delicious possibilities. And that's the look at kind of what's happening between them when they get started. And you'll have to see the rest. But I loved writing Owen and Quill. They were so much fun. It takes place over a couple of months. So we get to kind of see their progression. It's a little bit of a slow burn. Each of the books in the series has been a little more slow burn. But once they get going, there's a lot of heat. <laughs> and so it's, it was a really fun one for me. And I really enjoyed kind of... Whereas Arctic Wild had the bigger cast of characters, this is mainly the two of them dealing with the elements of nature, dealing with each other, dealing with roommate issues. It's kind of the odd couple in um, in Alaska. And so it was just a lot of fun. I can't wait for you guys to get to see this in, um, in September. Have you pre-ordered this yet? Because that forced proximity is so your jam. <laughs> 
I have enjoyed each of the books up to this point, but book three, that's pretty much everything that I'm looking for in romance. I mean, listeners, longtime listeners know forced proximity is my absolute most favorite thing ever. So yes, that, that, um, that reading you just did, it's like, woo, I can't wait. (laughs) Is this, I think you mentioned that this is a real thing people can do to opt to go stay in with a ranger. They can, yeah. So there's volunteer positions all year long with the Alaska state parks and with the national parks too. Those are a little more competitive. But you can go for the summer, you can go for the winter and they have like little yurts or tiny cabins, pretty rustic conditions. But they're looking for volunteers to basically help the paid rangers out because without the volunteers they couldn't get nearly as much done as they can. So basically you become a winter caretaker or a summer caretaker at one of these parks and you get to help the ranger but you also get to spend winter in a Alaska with all the snow and a tiny yurt and so stuff like that and each of the sites has its own housing situation and so that was some of the research I had to do was figure out what would the housing situation be like at this particular site as opposed to other sites how are they going to get their heat how are they going to get electric do they have access to the internet all those little questions come up that's fascinating would you ever consider doing such a thing I have small kids, and so sometimes it seems really appealing, like, oh, I could go for three months. (laughs) And other times it's like, no, they'd miss me, and I'd miss them, and the dog would pine. (laughs) Research trip. I was going to say my next series is back to Oregon. We're going to be back in Oregon, but we're going to be in central Oregon. And so we are actually taking a research trip as a family towards later in the summer, we're doing a research trip to go into central Oregon to see some of the places that'll be in that series. So I'm excited about that. You know, cool. Not quite the same as Snow in the Yurt, but, you know, research trip nonetheless. (laughs) I get to bring the kids on that one, so it'll be fun. They might enjoy Snow in the Yurt. I don't know. They would. They would, yeah. (laughs) You've had a prolific year, even before the Frozen Hearts book started coming out. You had new stuff in Rainbow Cove and Out of Uniform. Are there challenges working across so many series that are so close together in release terms? So what I tend to do is I tend to write in blocks. So um, all three Alaska books were written back to back to back. But in between two of them, I took a little tiny Rainbow Cove break. I gave myself five days to write a novella. I was like, okay, I'm kind of burnt on Alaska. Just a little. And so I was like, okay, I'm just going to give myself five days because I'm supposed to be writing these books back to back and I'm going to write a Rainbow Cove novella. And I did. I wrote 20K in five days and that became Lumberjacked. And obviously editing it and stuff took more than the five days. But I got the basic draft down and then I worked on the edits for that while I went on to Alaska 3. And so so that's how I worked a Rainbow Cove in because it's not a full length. It's a novella. And then the out of uniform that wrapped, um, I actually wrote that last April. So I wrote it April 2018. Then I started Alaska after that, because but then it didn't come out till January, because that's how publisher schedules work. Yeah. And so I wrote it as part of Camp NaNoWriMo 2018. It was really fun. Loved writing Rough Terrain. And so it coming out in January was just a joy. But that kind of wrapped up a period of finishing up out of uniform and then moving into the Alaska universe and so I kind of 
go from universe to universe. I try not to hop back and forth anymore because I've done that in the past. And I end up having to reread a lot of my stuff a lot more when I'm going back and forth between series. And so I think the biggest challenge for me has been working in time for Rainbow Cove because that one doesn't have publisher deadlines. And so I tend to be overly optimistic with my publisher deadlines. And I'm like, oh, I'll get this book done early and then I'll get another Rainbow Cove in. And lately that has not been happening. The books have been going long and complicated. And I love that. I love writing long. I love writing complex books. But it has made it a challenge in terms of working more Rainbow Cove in. Mm -hmm. What is going on in Lumberjacked that people who are doing Rainbow Cove might want to check out? So that one, like Rainbow Cove, is set on the Oregon coast, and all the books are. So it has a honest-to-goodness lumberjack as the hero. He makes a brief appearance in book two, but this stands alone. If you haven't read book two, you're fine. And so, and it's just 99 cents, and it's also in KU. It's a fun little, it's under 30K, because I end up adding a little bonus epilogue to it. But so it has a lumberjack who is an amateur photographer on the side. He likes to take bondage pictures. <laughs> and so like rope, like shibari pictures, like there's some really neat artwork done with shibari. And so he meets this makeup vlogger and the makeup vlogger is like, huh, maybe I would like to pose for one of these pictures. And so they're courtship kind of unfurls from there with photos and lumberjack plaid and it's a lot of fun and um but i really like the chance to write my makeup vlogger hero because there's been so many amazing male makeup vloggers recently becoming even the face of some major brands and stuff and so i wanted to show that sort of side of masculinity as well these guys who have embraced more of the makeup loving glitter loving sides of themselves and so i wanted to do a hero on that sort of spectrum and so that was really fun for me to get to do him and contrast him with our big burly older lumberjack guy and so it's fun that's cool and for out of uniform is is rough terrain the end of the line for that series well, I never say never, and I do have more military in Alaska. One of my guys is a um, former Air Force pilot, and then I'm in the Heart to Heart um, charity anthology coming up this fall, and I'll have a Marine in that one. So I haven't left military romance completely, but I think Rough Terrain kind of brought out of uniform full circle in a lot of ways. It felt like book seven, a natural sort of stopping point for this part of the series right now but i'm not ruling out more seals in the future we'll just have to see what the future brings there's a lot of things i want to explore and a lot of series i want to do and so um we'll just have to see but i think fans that like the out of uniform will really like something that's coming from me in 2020 which is going to be smoke jumpers so we've got the band of brothers again but they're firefighters and they're in central oregon like i said they're in central oregon fighting forest fires and it's going to be really the research i'm looking forward to the research and i'm really looking forward to being back with a band of brothers kind of group of friend heroes and it should be really interesting and fun 
Is that some of the research you're doing on the Oregon trip this time? Yeah. So we'll be actually going to some Oregon fire like stations. Um, we'll look at like both the little towns that they live in. We'll also go to some of the state forest areas there, see some actual forest damage and stuff. I've got some different things planned for us to kind of really, I want to really get my five senses into that area. Because I live in Oregon, obviously, but I live more in the valley. And so um, going more into that central Oregon terrain, it is way different. Like you said, it's way different terrain. And so I want to really immerse myself in that to really get that flavor for readers. That's very exciting. You, you've hinted at some stuff in the future, like with the smoke jumpers. Of course, Arctic heat comes out in the fall. Anything else you can tease out in the universe? So I've got a, up? So I do have a book coming. Um, so the smoke jumpers will be coming summer 2020. And in between Arctic Heat and the Smoke Jumpers, I have my first book with source books coming. And it is a YANA crossover, little bit lower heat, but a lot of the same fun and energy that a YANA you'd expect from a YANA crossover. Um, I think fans who have liked some of the lower heat ones that have been rising up the charts, like Royal Red, White, and Royal Blue, mm -hmm. that sort of book, I think they. They might like this sort of tone and it's a road trip romance which i love road trips like i just said i love road trips and so i'm really excited the road trip romance with gamer guys they're in college and they're going to a big gaming convention like imagine comic con mm -hmm. but it's for a card game that they both play like magic the gathering but i kind of invented a fake card game for them so they're like these gamer guys who have to make the convention on time to get their chance in the big tournament and it's going to be a lot of fun i don't think they've gone public with the title yet but it is coming in april 2020 and so i can't wait to see the cover they're doing and it's going to be really fun it's going to be in bookstores which is i'm really excited about so it's going to be in um trade paperback yeah, we were excited to see, I believe it was uh, the first of the Frozen Heart series that we found in our local Barnes & Noble. I know! I, I'm <laughs> so stoked. Readers keep tagging me in pictures in the wild of these books, and it makes me so happy. And readers, if you see the books in the wild, take a picture for me. I do love seeing them. I love... And if you like your local bookstore carrying more LGBTQ fiction, let the bookstore know, even if you're not buying a book that day say, hey, I'd like to see more fiction like this, not just mine, but a lot of other authors that are coming into mass market and stuff. The more appetite there is for that, I think the more we'll see that in bookstores and stuff and airport kiosks and stuff. And so I'm really, I'm, ex I'm excited for that. Yeah, it's an exciting time. And it, it feels like Red, White and Royal Blue may lead some of that too. I know that's not a mass market book, but the fact that they're getting picked up in Target is pretty exciting, so... Definitely ask for those books. <laughs> yeah, I think the more you see that, and my and source books has a lot sort of planned around the release of this road trip romance that should take it to a broader audience. So I'm really excited to see some of what they've got planned and coming. And so it's it's been really fun to work on that, and that may end up being a series. We just have to see. Cool. I'm, I'm thinking on your backlist. Is this kind of a first for YA for you? 
Well, they're college age. And so I've done college age with a high heat level in um, winning bracket. And then I did college age with a lower heat level in um, one of my um, freebies, first in line which is set in the same universe as Winning Bracket. And so that's a sweeter one. It just has a kiss. The one that I'm talking about is somewhere in between there. There are some okay. love scenes. They're just not quite as graphic. And so it was kind of fun to go back to the college universe and kind of, I love that age of hero. And I really enjoyed kind of being in that universe with them in that age for a little bit. And so that was fun. But it's not like YA is typically considered senior in high school and older. So that's why they're calling this kind of a crossover because they are in college, but upper YA readers will probably enjoy this. Cool. Awesome. I'm excited for that one. Yeah. That's because I, I love, I love yeah. YA new adult so much. <laughs> Well, What's the best I love, way for everyone to keep up with you online? So I'm on Facebook. Um, I have Annabeth's Angels as our Facebook reader group. I welcome everyone into there, whether you've read me or not. If you want to talk about fun books, we welcome people in there. I'm also on Facebook myself. I welcome people to follow me on Facebook. I'm on Twitter and Instagram, a little bit less than Facebook. Facebook's kind of my big addiction. But I am on Instagram and Twitter. And um, I also do playlists for all of my books on Spotify. So if you're on Spotify, you can follow me on Spotify and see kind of the music that's influencing the different books. Fantastic. We will link up to all that stuff in the show notes for sure. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. We wish you the best of luck with everything you've got coming out uh, later this year and into 2020. Thank you. This week's interview transcript was brought to you by our community on Patreon. If you'd like to read the author interview for yourself, simply head over to the show notes page for this episode at BigGateFictionPodcast.com. And thanks again to Annabeth for coming and sharing more with us about the Frozen Heart series. I haven't read one of these yet, but I'm super excited about that third book. The whole forced proximity thing and the idea that you can live in the park in the winter and be like the intern. I was fascinated by that. So I think I will be picking that one up alongside you because I'm sure you're going to read that as well. Oh, most definitely. I really enjoyed that sneak peek we got. I, that's something an author has never done before. So yeah. thank, thank you, Annabeth. I thought that was really special. Guys, I think that'll do it for this week's show. Just a quick reminder before we go, Patreon is a way for fans to engage with all kinds of artists like writers, musicians, and podcasters as well. It's a great way to support the kinds of creative content that you enjoy the most. If you're curious about what kind of bonus content we deliver to our fans every single month, just go to patreon.com slash biggayfictionpodcast. Now, coming up in episode 196, Rowan Parrish joins us to talk about the latest in her Riven series. It was so tremendous to talk to her. I've been wanting to have her on the show for a while. It was great to hear how she's been putting the Riven series together, but we also jumped backwards to talk about Thrall, which is a book that she wrote with Avon Gale last year, because I was so into that book. It was great to finally talk to her about that as well. Cool. So guys, remember, no matter where life takes you, the journey will always be sweeter when you have a book. Until next time, everyone, please keep turning those pages and keep reading. For detailed show notes and links to everything discussed in this episode, go to BigGayFictionPodcast.com. New episodes are available every Monday at all major podcast distributors. You can also find us on YouTube. I'm Derek McLean. 
Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.